so I think you've all been notified and so welcome to Top Tip Tuesday and I this evening we are going to discuss why we don't correct our children when they get something wrong and by something wrong I mean they put their shoes on the opposite feet or they put their t-shirt on back to front or inside out or when they're a bit older and they're starting to read and write and master their numbers they it's very common for children to um, write their numbers and their letters back to front or even upside down or even a combination of both so um, to give an example of Olivia she is five and four months and she writes a few of her numbers upside down to the five she'll write upside down the three she'll write um, back to front and there's another one which I can't remember oh yeah and six and nine she she gets confused with and this is all completely normal and I don't correct her and I don't correct them when their t-shirts run back to front or, or they make any type of mistake like that and what I'd love to tell you this evening is why we do that why we have to as I said to a very dear friend sit on our hands and just zip it and we don't correct them um, what we're going to do is we will run through why we don't correct them um, the the reasons for that and we're going to talk through what you can say someone else has just joined hello good evening so we're going to run through uh, why we don't correct them we're going to run through what we say um, instead of or what we do instead of correcting them um, so let's dive right in um, as you may have seen on Sunday I um, posted a really cute picture of Harry doing some pruning in the garden and um, he had his t-shirt on back to front and that um, and taking that photo I was taking a photo just to send to his grandparents actually of him in the garden because both sets of his grandparents are really keen gardeners and they love to see the children um, gardening and, uh, and I thought wow what a great post because I just love it when they put their clothes on back to front and they put their shoes on the different feet I just it's just so gorgeous and it's such a gorgeous thing that they only do in early childhood and they only really do between so they just start getting the hang of shoes and clothes somewhere between two and three and a half four and so it's only this period in time this really short period in time of uh, of two years or even less actually because it's really when they're doing it independently maybe only one year where they're um where they're doing this and it's just so gorgeous and it doesn't happen again because once they realize the right way to do it um and someone may point out um how they should do it and as they get older then obviously with teasing and what have you and older children then you know they definitely don't want to have your shoes on the wrong foot because you know they're going to be teased and made fun of by their friends so it's such a it's such an innocence and it's such a really beautiful um time of discovery for them it's really uh you just really see how much they're developing because they've actually done it for themselves and that's the whole point now that's my first point is that um, when the child, so some around about, I guess, two and a half, they can manage to do their t-shirt, perhaps not every time, sometimes they may get stuck. Um, hello, someone else has just joined. 
so um, around two and a half they may start to be able to do their t-shirt for example and um, and then it will take them a long time as you'll see and they'll pull pull the, the bit down at the front and then put down at the back and it's going up and down up and down and we're getting very fast you might need to give them a little bit of help and then you can help them put one hand through one sleeve and the other um, and then they get to a stage where you're doing less and less and they're doing more and more and then one day they will race in and they would have done it for themselves and um, you will either a you know want to celebrate and go over the top and praise them or there'll be something not quite right because it'll be on the back to front or something and your your instinct will be to say oh it's um you know oh your t-shirts around the wrong way or your shoes are on the wrong feet and um when we say that we've kind of missed the whole point the whole point is that their process and um what we can remember that's really important is that young children are process driven they are not outcome driven in the way that we are as adults this is because of the way that their brain works and for them they need to repeat and they need to practice and they take their time doing things because they want to because they are mastering skills they're not trying to rush through and get dressed as quickly as possible as we are they are um, fully engaged in that process they're not thinking about something else they can't think about anything else at that time because their brains don't work in that way so when we um, are able to see their process rather than the outcome, that's when we can really, really appreciate what they've done and how far they've come and what they're actually achieving in, the, in this time. And what we can do in that moment, actually, when they come in and we really want to um, say something to, to correct them or or to um, point out that they've done something wrong. What they'll do when they first do it for the first time is they'll run in and they'll say, I did it by myself, or me did it by myself, or me got dressed, or I got dressed, which is just so cute in itself, isn't it? Um, and we can resist the urge to say anything other than just mirror back what they've said. So you say, yes, you, you got dressed by yourself, or you put your t-shirt on by yourself. Just mirror what they've said to you, obviously with a big smile, and um, if they want to come to you to affection, then that's great and what have you. It's, um, it's just allowing their moment. We don't need to impose our praise or our opinion of how they've done it on them. We can just what's that, like bask in um, how... Do you know what's happened that's really scary? Is the glass plate that tea lights on has just cracked two seconds I'm gonna to have to blow all the candles out because now the candles are on the table well sorry about that <laughs> so yes the um, we're just celebrating their process that's all we're doing and we're being there for them in um, my house isn't gonna burn down it's okay it's just the whole plate just um, exploded into four or five pieces it's really bizarre but it's fine nothing's gonna happen <laughs> um, so let's just enjoy their process when they come in just be with them and see the joy in their face and bask in that joy that they that they have um, the now I'm going to delve a little bit deeper into why we may want to correct um, and 
this can come just really from a place of misunderstanding. This isn't about berating ourselves or berating each other for way, what we may or may have done. Um, it's, it's, it's probably learned behavior. And um, so we will have seen, we have experienced when we were little that uh, our caregivers would have instantly corrected if we'd done something wrong. And this just comes from a misunderstanding. And that misunderstanding is one, as I first mentioned, that young children go through a process, are process driven, not outcome driven. Um, the second thing is that we, and perhaps this is something that was more common in previous generations, but you still see a little today, is that there's this sort of belief that because we are the adults, and perhaps this is an unconscious belief, that if we don't tell our children when they've done something wrong, then they're always going to get it wrong. Do you see what I mean? It's almost like we haven't allowed ourselves before to trust um, our children's path and their unique trajectory for their life. Um, and so there's that, there's that misunderstanding as well. And also there's a misunderstanding about that a child's process is trial and error. In Montessori, we call um, we call it a control of error, so that uh, all the Montessori equipment is designed in such a way that the child won't be able to complete it unless they do it correctly. So that the educator, the guide, doesn't have to correct them. They see for themselves whether it's, be, it's been done correctly or not. And so again, they get that intrinsic sense that they're achieving something for, them, for themselves because they can complete it themselves. Um, so this is all part of this. It's a trial and error with, with children and with things like shoes being on the wrong feet, um, on the, sorry, not the wrong feet, the opposite feet, with shoes being on the opposite feet. Um, when they're two, they might not feel it. They obviously can't tell visually yet that, the, that, that each shoe may be a, a different shape, you know, curved on the, on the outside as it were and straight on the inside of the foot. They might not be able to tell from visually looking at them and they may not be able to tell by putting their feet in either obviously for an adult it's really obvious but our children might it might not be obvious to them it's quite it's not at all obvious when they're when they're little and so that's a, a really important learning process as, as well that um they're getting a sensory impression from their foot and the feeling of the foot in the shoe um and and they will just realize that it doesn't feel right. And if we can hold off until that point, until that moment happens and they discover it for themselves, they may even say, this, this doesn't feel comfortable, it's not right, I don't like it or what have you. And then you can suggest, guided by them, you can suggest to try it on the other foot and see if that feels any different for them. Um, so, that's but again it takes trust you know and and with a t-shirt with a pattern on the back to on the on back to front um what i like to do with um i mean olivia's beyond that stage now but harry um once he's got himself dressed and um whether i've helped him or not he'll come in and he'll and he'll say and he's like oh i, I um um, pattern pattern on the back pattern on the back because sometimes he'll pick up and he'll want it and he can't understand why he's put it on but he can't see the pattern so I suggest to him, oh, let's go to the mirror and we can see and we can see if we can work out what's what's not right. So he'll look in the mirror and he'll see that the the logo or the pattern, whatever, isn't on the front. So he'll say, oh, 
it must be round the back. So it's like, he'll say, oh, I'll start again. And then he'll ask me to help him to turn it round. But again, he's, he's discovering that for himself. I haven't told him it's wrong. If he wants the pattern on the back, cool, that's fine. That's his thing, isn't it? But if he wants it on the front and wants my support to change it because he can't manage that himself, then that's fine as well. You know, so it's really um, giving them uh, giving them that gift of discovery, and then offering that little bit of guidance that they that they might need. Um, so those are the misunderstandings that we that we have uh, that we can have as as caregivers that we need to correct these things because they won't they won't write themselves otherwise, and that that just simply that simply isn't the case. Um, before we go on to the next section, I wonder if anyone has any questions that they would like to ask. Um, and do actually just jump in with questions all the way through. Um, don't uh, you, even if I lose my flow, I'll find it again. So, uh, so don't worry. Just jump in with questions if you'd like to and I'll have a little sip of lemon. So moving on to section two, what I wanted to say is, um, and this is going a little bit deeper into um, parenting and seeing where we've come from in our parenting. Um, and I guess where we're heading in our parenting as well. And what I mean by that is that we've all, we all come to parenting without a blank canvas. Um, oh, I've just had a question that's come up. There is two questions here. Okay, I've had, the first one is, how do we get other friends or family members to adopt the same, not correcting the child? Oh, this is tricky, isn't it? Isn't this a delicious one for <laughs> the friends and family members? Um, I, I think our children are, are really, really astute and are really, really wise and are very, very insightful. And... On one hand, we can ask friends or family members to adopt the same approach as us. And on the other hand, at a point, we we can feel comfortable to let that go and trust that what we're doing is enough. And our message that we're sending to them about when they get dressed, you know, they change quite a lot. So maybe they're getting dressed three, four times a day. You know and trusting that because we're not correcting them those three four five times a day that other family members or friends when they see them if it's perhaps once a week it's not going to have as much an impact as you doing it every single day several times a day um, we can definitely uh, explain in a very very simple way a, a, a very off-the-cuff remark of uh, of, um, uh, of saying oh you you did it by yourself when your child comes in with his with his shoes on his t-shirt on and um the 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 other person will jump in with oh your t-shirt's on back to front or what have you um and you can just say a very quick well he'll um he'll he'll get the hang of it in his own time we don't we don't correct him and just try and make it as light as possible without getting into a debate i know that's easier said than done but going back to my previous point, it's really, really trusting that what we are doing is enough. Um, and 
uh, and knowing that what we're saying on a consistent basis, day in, day out, is really what what um, what makes the imprint on them, what makes the imprint in their heart and their soul, and what really, really makes the difference. So I hope that answers your question. And the second question was, oh, when your child knows how to put his shoes on but wants you to do it, and same for clothes, should we insist that they do it themselves? Okay, this is an interesting one because this is um, this is just about um, them wanting you to help them, um, and that is just my belief that that is that is just basically uh, asking for extra attention. It's just asking for that attention in that way, um, and instead of it manifesting by I don't know disruptive behavior or being clingy or something it's just asking for that extra um tlc as it were and i think that's absolutely fine and i would also say that i think it's a stage i've experienced that with um with both of my children for just um, like a month or two where um and olivia quite recently i mean this was at the end of last year so she was you know four and a half almost five um and uh and i think it's absolutely fine the way you can support them through that is that um so they say they don't want to get dressed so you can kind of reach a compromise so if you're in sitting there in the bedroom you can say okay you go and choose what you'd like and then i'll come and help you um then sorry bring them to me and and i'll help you and then you can i don't know do something silly like take their t-shirt and try and put it on your head or um you know pick a look at the arm and say oh look this is the hole for your head isn't it let's see if we can get this over your head and they're two, three, four, five years old. They're super, super playful. They are going to either laugh and then the ice is broken and then you can just play your way through getting getting dressed. Still, we're trying to give them as little, little, little as um, support as you can. Or by breaking the ice and making them laugh, they're going to go, oh, mama, you're so silly, you know, and do it and do it themselves. Do you see what I mean? So it's not something that we need to insist on or become uh, a power struggle about not at all it's really just supporting them through that stage it's obviously a need that they have at the moment and that's okay we help them as little as we possibly need in order for them to achieve the getting dressed or putting their shoes on or what have you with shoes what i used to do with harry is i'd say okay let's let's see where is the bit for the toes and i'd open he's got these he has they both still have these soft leather shoes i'd open the shoe a bit and then look in and go now where are those toes going to go and again it's just been really really light and playful about it and sort of just helping him slide his toes in and then say well yeah, it doesn't fit around the back does it and what should we do here and i show him how to put his thumb in again and pull the elastic so it's just being really 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 gentle and fun and playful um and engaging them in that process so they have the attention that they want that you're just showing them again how to do it and it just doesn't become, need to become a battle of wills basically so i hope that answers both of your questions um please go ahead with any more if you'd like some uh, if you'd like some answered so the second part of what i wanted to talk about regarding um correcting our children is as i started on we've all come from parenting um, from this place of um, learning from our care caregivers how to how to parent and whether we're trying to consciously step away from what our parents and caregivers did or we're trying to do the same we we come with baggage 
to every situation, not just parenting, to every situation in life we come with baggage. And, um, and one of the things that's really humbling about parenting is seeing what that baggage is because it just shines it just shines a light on our on where our healing needs to come it it's like holding up a mirror like caring for your child particularly your toddler when they're freaking out particularly your four-year-old when she's being rude to you your five-year-old when she's swearing at you your six-year-old when they're hitting you whatever it is it's just a mirror to how we are feeling and our energy and how we're making them feel in that moment so it's it sounds far-fetched but when we if we can really take a step back and think okay if we don't correct our child then we're not imposing our ego on them then we're not telling them this is right and this is wrong we're not saying you've got to do things my way or um or you're doing them wrong if we're able to really step back and allow them to have their own experience in these type of situations that's really when we are um kind of letting go of our ego and just letting them unfold as they should and that's something i'm really really passionate about and i'm trying to do with my children and failing a lot of the time as well um is just allowing their experience to 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 unfold as it should and trying to keep my ego out of it and how I think they should be behaving or what they should be saying or what they or they shouldn't be saying. Just um, just trying to keep that locked away. You know, as, as I said to my dear friend, sit on your hands and zip it. And, and I think there's a lot of that we need to do in parenting and delving into that side of parenting and what we need to heal in order to um, bring out the best in ourselves and be the best version of ourselves for our children. That's something that's really worth delving into, actually, our own ego, how much we project our expectations onto our children, whether it be um, in their behaviour, where, where it be some fanciful idea of um, what they're going to be when they grow up, and they're going to be a humanitarian and a philanthropist and all of this stuff, which um, may or not be the, the case, but... Um, we can we can just start really really simply when they're little by just allowing them to have the simplest experience of um getting just for themselves and however whatever the outcome is just be there to celebrate them in their way rather than making it about correcting them or making a great big fanfare about praising them both of which are actually about us and not about the child what we always want to do is direct this back onto um, the child no matter how we're feeling is just thinking okay how can we support right now what's the most useful thing I can do now and often the most useful thing we can do is um, is just sit and um, wow them with our presence you know just be there present um, with them and um, and smile at them or if they come for affection obviously be be affectionate with them and just be with them rather than um, complicating uh, our lives and theirs with anything else. So I hope that's given you a bit of an insight into why we don't correct our um, our children. And uh, if there's any more questions, then please send them through now. Um, but also, I wanted to say um, that it's really um, and it's gone out of my head now. It's completely gone. Yes, every, and I don't think I've said this. Everything will right itself whether it is putting their shoes on um, on the correct feet or whether it's putting their t-shirt around the right way or um, uh, or it's their numbers or their letters the right way and um, not back to front. 
these things write themselves. They do. They really do just um, correct themselves because one day they'll they'll notice. They'll write the five upside down or back to front, and they're like, oh. So they wonder they'll realise that it doesn't look like the one on the page, or it doesn't look like the one on the sandpaper letter, it doesn't look like the one that they've seen before. And they just do it themselves, you know? It's not something that we need to worry about or stress about. Um, it would be much later if you have, I don't know, an eight-year-old who couldn't identify any of the numbers or the letters around the right way, then that might be something to look into. But this is much, much older and it would need to be like a widespread problem. And there would probably be other indicators in that as well. So in terms of early childhood, until the age of six, seven, this is not um, anything that we need to worry about other than just allowing them to learn at their own pace, let them learn through trial and error, being um, an enthusiastic observer, uh, a silent cheerleader, if you like, um, to all of their, everything that they do and everything that they overcome and everything that they achieve. Um, but we don't need to, we don't need to correct. Are there any more um, questions before I sign off? I know someone's just joined. Hello. Oh, it's Safa. Hi, Safa. Um, let me just see in my notes, is there anything? Oh, there's other, another really lovely thing you can do, actually. Um, at bedtime, if you wanted to acknowledge that they are now getting dressed for themselves or um, now writing everything, um, uh, doing lots and lots of writing, whether or not it's back to front, um, what you can do at bedtime when you um, talk to them after the lights have gone out and you're just sitting and uh, lying and chatting to them and perhaps talking through the story of, of your day, which is what we do with Olivia and Harry, um, you could actually mention that, oh, you're, you're getting dressed, um, you're getting dressed by yourself now, aren't you? Or I've noticed you're, you're putting your shoes on by yourself now. Um, and it seems like you're really enjoying that or something like that or you're doing so much writing you spent all afternoon writing those letters and numbers and just say that so you're acknowledging that you've seen their effort but you're not praising them you don't need to praise them you're just acknowledging that and then if they want to add something or say something then you can just leave a gap and they're gonna respond to you um, but obviously before they're going to sleep you you've put something in their in their brain you put a little seed in their brain that they that they are achieving something for themselves of their own volition and by their own merit um, and that's really really powerful to uh, to do just before sleep and I'm sure lots of you know about the power of meditation and doing things like affirmations before you go to sleep and when you first wake up because the brain is in a meditative state and the um, the brain waves are, are in theta, which is a lower brain wave, so that you um, the brain absorbs unconsciously. Um, so being able to affirm them and acknowledge them and, and, and validate them just before they go to sleep is really is really really valuable. So that's the other thing that you can do if you wanted to um, acknowledge the effort that they're making with their writing or getting dressed or whatever it might be, and that actually can be really valuable to do. If one of your children is, you can see they're really struggling with something, but they're persevering and persevering and persevering. Um, you can then mention it later in the day or at bedtime, or what have you. Say, I can really, 
you know, I can see you're really working hard on that or what have you, um, and leave it at that, just so that they have that that acknowledgement um, for them that they will that will actually hold hold with them in their hearts. So I hope you've enjoyed today's session. Let's look at the time. Look, 35 minutes. Again, I do waffle for too long, don't I? But I hope it's been um, really valuable to you. If you're not doing so already, um, I'd love you to follow me. And um, if you have any other questions, then you can just send me a message afterwards. This will be on my story for the next 24 hours. So do share with friends and um, anyone who you think needs to hear this. And I will be back this weekend on Friday evening for another Instagram Live. And I'm going to talk about sibling dynamics and sibling relationships, which is so fascinating at the moment because of the lockdown. And um, with Olivia and Harry, I have seen some really fascinating play and really fascinating role play between them and seeing that develop within the, um, within the past, uh, how many weeks is it? Six weeks? Six weeks. Um, and, and I'd love to share all of that with you. And I'd really love to hear your experiences of, uh, of your sibling relationships and interactions. Um, thank you for the hearts, whoever just sent the hearts. And um, send me a message. Thank you very much for watching. And I look forward to seeing you again on Friday evening. Bye-bye.